Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind one final time to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter in chapter number 4. We are finishing up this series of the book of 1 Peter. We've taken it in two different segments of 13 weeks each of walking through this wonderful book, understanding that this was an answer to prayer that Jesus had given to Peter that said, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And we know that this is the answer to prayer, that is Peter is being used as the human penman under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God has put an emphasis here for us to be strengthened up, knowing that persecution is right around the corner, knowing that right around the corner it was going to be difficult times for Christians, that now is the time to develop the habit of obedience to Lord Jesus Christ. And so with the book of First Peter, we've seen several different instances, several different points that the Lord has made to strengthen us in different areas for us to be reminded, to be strengthened in, to work within us. And if you don't mind, just as a review, notice with me in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4. And let's start in verse number 12. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 12. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice, insomuch we are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. And on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other man's, men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear. Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. And if you're habit of marking things, notice with me in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4. And notice if you don't mind in verse number 16 the phrase as a Christian. As a Christian. And remember that the book of 1 Peter is written for the purpose of strengthening the brethren, of behaving like a Christian, behaving the way that we should. Now, in the immediate context where it's talking about, it talks about that think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't be surprised when trials come. God never promised an easy life, He promised 
a life of trials for us to get the victory. Remember, without the building and without the battling, there is no victory. So don't be surprised. Don't go, where did this come from? Almost expected that fiery trials will come. Verse number 14. Uh, sorry, verse uh, 13. But rejoice. Rejoice. What, what's the context? Rejoice when fiery trials come. Think it not strange, but rejoice. Why? Insomuch you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That means we're joining together with Christ's suffering. Christ suffered his entire life. He especially suffered and died for us. That we're identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ as we suffer through trials, as we go through temptations, as we go through uh, hardships, building and battling. We're supposed to rejoice. Why? When his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. What does that mean? That we understand that if God is behind things, and he is, that when we go through the building and battling and we see the victory, we see what God did with that thing in the first place. And we could go back and say, wow, look at what God did. The thing that we thought was so horrible and we went through, I don't want to go through this. As we go through it and we go, wow, look. Look at what God did. God was good to allow that to happen. God was right to allow that to happen. It's not what I would have chosen. We get to rejoice and say, we could trust God. Look at what he did after all. Notice as it goes on, verse 15. Uh, verse number 14. But if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and God resteth upon you. For on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. I just happened this last week, maybe two weeks ago, someone come up and say, you know, at work, someone was picking on me and it seemed like they were pushing me away because I was a Christian. They were seeming to, to you're one of those <laughs> church people? You, you go to church? And they were make, trying to make things difficult. And the Bible says, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Because God may be evil spoken of by them, but on your part, if you respond well, that God is glorified in it. It says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other man's matter. What does that mean? That we as Christians, we already have enough that is going to draw attention. We should not be to the place where we are blamed for something, be accused of something uh, that we did that was wrong. That <laughs> don't be a murderer. Okay, well, I'm hoping that none of you are doing that. But at the end of it, it talks about not being a busybody. That's a gossip. That's someone who goes around and meddling with people's affairs. It's like that <laughs> old sitcom lady, the neighbor lady, who's always in people's business and telling them what to do. And this is what I should do about it. I can't believe you're... We should not be in part of that. Don't be accused of the gossip. That actually erases everything we were trying to do. It says, for the time shall come that judgment must begin at the house of God. In verse number 17. And remember, we took time to talk about that. That we should live like a Christian. So if you don't mind, um, let's go through the book of 1 Peter. And let's just get a quick running start and a memory of 
what we should do, remember the phrase that we should live as a Christian. Let's go through and be reminded of some of the things that were brought up to remind us what does it mean? What should we be doing now, developing the habit of doing now to be as a Christian? Notice with me 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. It says in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. First of all, we as a Christian should be living, having a lively or living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We should be a hopeful people. Why should we be hopeful? Because our Savior, Jesus Christ, he arose from the grave. He didn't stay dead, but he's alive forevermore. And that because he's alive, he could fulfill all of his promises. He's going to do what he said he could do. We're not trusting in a dead person. We're not trusting in an imaginary person. We're trusting in someone that's alive forevermore. And because of that, we as Christians should be a hopeful people. It's one thing that Christianity, Christians miss out so much on, is that we're not hopeful people. I mean, not the way that we talk about. Oh, the world, it's just getting worser and worser. Oh, I'm saying bad thing. I'm trying to get you to laugh. It's fine. You know, people are just look like they're sucking on lemons. They look like they've been soaking too long in pickle juice. I meant they're just so dour and pessimistic. That's not what Christians should live like because we have a living Savior who's alive today, who's able to answer prayer, who's in control. The world's not out of control. It is in control. It doesn't matter. We understand there are some conflicts going on that concerns us right now. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned but we should be hopeful. I mean, we may not have the person you want as president either this year or two years ago, whichever one it was, but it doesn't matter. We should be hopeful people. It doesn't matter what the prices get to. And by the way, that may be a concern, except that Jesus had talked about, take no concern of tomorrow of what you shall eat and what you should drink, but put your things on earth, heavenly things. Why? Because we're a hopeful people. We're not worrying about things. We can note and we could be a little bit concerned, but we're not destroyed and weighted down because of circumstances. Our God is alive. We have a living hope. What else as a Christian that we're supposed to live like? 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. 1 Peter 1 8. Whom having not seen Ye love. Notice that. Whom having not seen ye love, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. What else? We should love the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that we've never personally, bodily, physically seen him, but you can have a personal relationship with him and know him. And you can love him. Christians should be people who love the Lord. What a horrible testimony to find a Christian who just doesn't love God. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine being married to someone and looking at her and go, eh. <laughs> That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? 
we should be type of Christians who love the Lord and people know that we love the Lord. We should have that type of testimony now. Notice with me 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because as it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. This is a commandment that God has demanded that we become holy. Now we understand that holiness carries the idea of perfection. It carries the idea of being separated unto God. As a reminder class, what is the purpose of holiness? Why does God want us to be holy? What was the purpose of it? You guys remember we've talked about it in Leviticus. We've talked about it a couple other places. Does anybody remember? It's so we can have communion with God. Go a little bit beyond that. That's why I ask questions. Just try to... So remember when a teacher says, do you remember what we said? It's probably something important. The idea of holiness means that we bring ourselves to where God is because if we don't, we end up bringing God to where we are. And that happens so much in Christianity because Christians aren't holy. They attempt to bring God down. For example, you want to watch me go ballistic. Let me hear someone say, yo, me and JC hung out. He is not JC. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. There should be some respect. But so often people love to bring God down to their level. Try to make him profane. Try to make him more common. Try to make him uh, in the vernacular. But God is holy and righteous and perfect and that we should be going to him. That's the idea of holiness for the idea of having communion and having a relationship and a fellowship. However, to do that, we have to approach him. He does not bring himself down to our level. He is a holy, righteous God. Notice it goes on in verse number 22, 1 Peter 1, 22. Remember, we're just doing a review because it said that we're supposed to live as a Christian. What are some of the things that were highlighted in the book of 1 Peter to live as a Christian? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit of unfeigned, uh, unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with pure heart, fervently. We see this idea that if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to live as a Christians, we're going to love the brethren. Remember Jesus said that hereby the world will know you that my disciples, if you love one another. Now remember the word love is the idea of a commitment to someone that, that may cost me something with no hope of return. Christians should be known that we love each other, that we're committed to helping them to helping them move forward, to helping them with what they have. You know, with our world, we like to step on each other. And most the world, that's their default thing, to step on each other, to put them down, to lift myself up. But if Christians, if we're to love the brethren, we need to find what can we do to help you move forward? What can we do to help you advance? What can we do to help you go forward? That's the idea of loving the brethren. And that should be known. Those are some Christians. They care for one another. They're helping each other move forward. That is something special because the world does not have that. The world, someone said, it's a dog-eat-dog world and you're wearing milk bone underwear. I mean, they're just looking to crush you and destroy you. 
Notice as it goes on, what else should we uh, be um, known for as a Christian? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Again, we're just reviewing what we've learned in these two uh, books of, or in the book of 1 Peter, the two studies that we've done. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. You know, there's many things that the Bible says that we're supposed to abstain from. That means to remove yourself, to keep away from. We're supposed to remove ourselves from fleshly lust. We're supposed to stay away from those things that will draw our desires away from God. And there's plenty of it. There's all kinds of things that our flesh craves. You understand that you are either 100% filled with flesh or 100% filled with the spirit. There's no such thing as 50-50, 75-25. It is all or nothing. You either walking in the spirit or you're walking in the flesh. That's it. And so when we feed the flesh, we're not dead to self. Abstain from flesh, fleshly lust. Abstain from those things that your flesh craves and desires that's not going to bring you closer to the Lord. The Bible says to abstain that. You know, back in the old ancient um, medieval days, when they would put Baptistic people in jail, one of the things that they would charge the Baptistic people for being in jail for, why would they put them in jail? Because they didn't laugh at the priest uh, jokes. They didn't attend the local theater. Now, I'm not talking about movie theater. I'm talking about the plays because of the things that they had. Could you imagine if they arrested a Baptist today and they had the television on and you watch the Baptist person like, what's on? I want to see. Oh, I, I thought you were a Baptist. Never mind. I'm going to let you out. I mean, we, we have no separation today. We, but there's many things out there that actually feed our flesh that we should probably abstain from. Notice as it goes on, talking about living as a Christian. Notice with me, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which sh shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Here it says that even though they may say bad things about you, the thing that they should observe about you is your good works. The way that you live your life, that you are still doing good even when everybody else is accusing you of being evildoers. That your behavior should not be modified because of the people against you. You should still be consistent and do what's right even when the world is against you. This is part of being a Christian. And what's the end result of that? That they should behold and glorify God in the day of visitation. You know, I hated that one guy, but I'll never forget him because he always lived like a Christian. There was something about the way that he lived. I hated him, but there was something about him. What a wonderful testimony you can have to someone if you still live what's still live right. Notice as it goes on in uh, verses uh, 13 and 14, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Why? For the Lord's sake, whether it be to King Supreme or to governors uh, that are sent by him. Notice this, sent by him. Who's that him there? Sent by God. 
Order the governors as to them that sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Notice verse 13. Submit yourself to every ordinance. What is an ordinance? A law, commandment. We're supposed to submit ourselves. Why? For the Lord's sake. Do you know that authority has the right to be stupid? They don't have the authority to be illegal, immoral, or unbiblical, but they have the right to be stupid. And sometimes authority does stupid things, right? Wives can look at their husbands and say, you know, you've done plenty of stupid things. There's many other things. Let me give you an example. When I was in the military, in the Air Force, they had a rule that we could not have trash in our trash can. That was a rule. To me, that was one of the stupidest rules but you know what? That's what they demanded. So guess what? There's no trash in my trash can. It's on the floor. I mean, uh, <laughs> we had to have it. Included. And when we had inspections, if there was trash in our trash can, we would get in trouble. Because that was a rule. I guess they were afraid of spontaneous combustion or something. I don't know what they were afraid of. But that was a rule. And is it illegal? No. Is it immoral? No. Is it unbiblical? No, I wish it was. But... So they made a rule. My job is to obey it as for the Lord's sake. I'm not doing it because of the goofballs who gave me authority. I'm doing it because I'm submitting to God. God always works through biblical authority. And we submit to authority as unto the Lord. And we see that example all throughout the Bible. The idea that we're in subjection. That we live under authority. So because of that, notice in chapter 3 verse 1. Likewise... So that means because of what you were just taught. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. It says likewise. Remember, God just said we're supposed to submit to authority as unto the Lord. So likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Now he gives a promise here that if any uh, husband obeys not the word, we could say biblical authority if you want to put it that way may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. And it will go on. It says that you're, as a wife, you're not going to convince your husband by beating him over the head with a Bible. It doesn't work. You're not going to convince him by nagging him to death. How do you convince him? By living as a Christian. It goes on and talks about that it's the, inter, uh, the, the inner man that is of precious price. A meek and quiet spirit which of, to God is of great price. That... When someone learns to submit and they're obeying as unto the Lord, my husband, is the husband right with God? No. So is his commandments, his authority, is it always going to be right? No. But I submit anyways as unto the Lord. I try to be the very best Christian I can so that way he's confused. What's wrong with her? Does she get some religion? It won't last. And when it does last, there's something to it. There's something real. And he could be one without the word by actually seeing a Christian. The world is tired of hearing about Christians. They want to meet one. They want to see what they look like, what they taste like, what they smell like. They want to see what they're like. They want to see one. Our world talks a lot about Christianity, but there's so little examples. The world's like, eh. And it talks about the relationship. The people who live with you know you the best. Anyone could put on a show. But for it to be consistent at home, that's something different. To behave like you should. And the Bible talks about the wives being subject to your husband. Oh, husbands, you're not out of it. Verse number seven. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. You know what that means? 
Husbands, you need to study your wife. Why? There's going to be a test. You need to dwell with them according to knowledge. You need to know what they like, what they don't like. You need to know how they get fixed. You have to understand that, that when they're having an emotional time, and they do, that telling them Bible verses don't work. I've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> well, you get over it. The Bible says, they, I need to know my wife. I need to dwell with her according to knowledge. Giving honor to the wife. That means giving respect. Giving reverence to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now notice this. I give respect unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. That means I understand that it's my responsibility to help encourage her. By the way, you know what this also means? Gentlemen, your job is to apologize first. Even if it's not your fault. Your job is to fix things to, as into the weaker vessel. You are supposed to be the spiritual leader. You are supposed to lead how to go. Not cross your arms and say, nope, she got to apologize first. We're going to have a standoff. Uh, that's how marriages start getting ruined. That's where bitterness starts getting in. No, you have to dwell with them according to knowledge and be willing to, take, to give honor to them to get things right, to go to the steps. What can we do to get this fixed? What can we do? Even if that means take the wrong. The book of Corinthians speaks about this principle. Take the wrong. Well, I'm not wrong. Well, take the wrong anyways to solve the argument, to fix the thing. To go on there, honey, I can understand you do this. What can I do to make this right? Take the wrong. Your responsibility to fix it. Give honor to her. This is the idea of submitting and doing honor here as under the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Notice this, that your prayers be not hindered. Do you know that your prayer life is dependent on your relationship with your wife? And that if you're not taking care of your wife, your prayers will be hindered. That's a big deal. Why? Because we're supposed to be the ones leading the way and dwell with them according to knowledge and to get things fixed. This is a big deal. There is a relationship between heaven and home. And our homes need to be operating right. Good. In fact, <clears throat> that's a different subject. Let's go to what we have here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 2, let's, or 12. Let's go on. It says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but to the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. We just talked about prayers about the husbands. Now notice this, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. We should be a praying people. He's there to listen. He wants to listen. There's never a busy signal. There's never a dial one for English, number two for Espanol. You He's always available. He's there to listen. And by the way, because of who God is, when you speak to him, his ears are open. My wife gives him an illustration like this, that when we speak to God, it's like he's a king in the midst of a busy kingdom. But when we come to speak to him, it's almost as if he takes us on his lap and his attention is just on us and not on anything else. He's got our undivided attention. Have you ever talked to someone and uh, they talk and talk and talk and talk. And you could sit down the phone and walk away and come back and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they don't even know you're gone. Well, by the way, you don't ha they don't have your full attention. Have you ever talked to someone and you're pretty sure that they're playing solitaire in the background the way they're going, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, right, yeah, uh-huh. I wasn't talking. 
And you were still going, uh-huh. I've done that before where I've like stopped talking and just listened to them go, uh-huh, uh-huh. But anyway, um, <laughs> when we talk to God, we have his undivided attention. His ears are open. What does that mean? We should be a praying people because he wants to hear our prayers. He desires for us to pray to him and talk to him. Notice, if you don't mind, as we go on, verse number 15, 1 Peter 3, 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Remember what we said at the beginning? That we have a living hope. We have a lively hope and that we should be a hopeful people. Now, as we live as a Christian and we live as we should and we're a hopeful people in the midst of the dire circumstances, people should see that and they should be coming up to you and saying, why in the world can you have so much joy, hope, peace when everything around you is going wrong? Well, let me give you an answer for the reason of the hope that's within me. Let me explain to you why I can still say God is good when my car just blew up outside. Let me tell you that even though my arm is in a sling, God is still good and God is still right. Let me tell you that even though things around me are falling apart and things haven't turned out the way that I should, God is still good and God is still right. How can you say that? Well, let me tell you about my Jesus. We should be able to have a reason and explain to them in a logical, clear way to explain to them why we have hope. That's the type of life that we should live. We should be a hopeful people in the midst of everything that people can say, why aren't you crying? Why aren't you losing your mind? Why aren't you throwing things? Why didn't you kill the boss? Well, let me explain to you what God has done for me. I, we should be a hopeful people. Notice as we go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. We should, beloved, believe it, uh, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. We need to recognize we will go through trials. Don't be blinded to it. No one promised that the Christian life is going to be easy, a bed of roses. Expect building and battling. There is no victory without building and battling. There's no way to be a strong Christian without hard times. There is no easy way to serve God. We have to expect it. And not be thrown off course. Understand that it's going to come. Notice if you don't mind as we continue. Chapter 5 verse 6. Again we're just reviewing what we've learned in the book of 1 Peter. Chapter 5 verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in good time. We understand that humbling yourself is always a do it yourself project. And that we're supposed to humble ourselves. That God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble. That we are to humble ourselves and submit to what God has given us to do. Not trying to force things to happen ourselves. Notice if you don't mind chapter 5 verse 7. Casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. We're supposed to learn how to cast our cares upon God. To be able to trust him. To put it at his feet. To understand that he cares for me. God cares for you. And by the way when you stub your pinky toe he cares about that. He cares about the little things and he cares for the big things. He cares for you. And then finally, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? 
because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he devour. That we need to be sober and we need to be vigilant. Why? The idea of sober is to be serious. That we're supposed to take the Christian life serious. We're supposed to be vigilant, have our eyes open, be aware, be looking. Why? Because your adversary the devil, he as a roaring lion seeking the uh, walketh about seeking whom he devour. Remember the word devour carries the idea to make disappear. What Satan wants to do is make your Christian life disappear. You say, what do you mean about disappear? If I had a steak in front of me, I would devour it. In a couple of minutes, it'd be disappeared. All right? So to make disappear. And so he wants to, Satan wants to make your Bible reading disappear. He wants your prayer life to disappear. He wants your giving to disappear. And then he wants you to disappear from church. He wants to make you disappear. He wants to devour you. We all have people that said, hey, where's so-and-so? Satan devoured them. They're not here no more. They should have been here. I know. What happened? Satan. Satan did everything he could to make them disappear. That's what Satan is looking to do. We need to be sober and vigilant. Understand that we're in a spiritual warfare and that our walk with God is under attack. Our Bible reading's under attack. Our prayer life's under attack. Our church attendance is under attack. He's trying to do everything he can to make it disappear. And we understand that we, living as a Christian, there are some things that we need to guard and protect, sober and vigilant. And so with these things, we were just doing a review of the things that we learned in 1 Peter. Why? Because we know that persecution's right around the corner. In today's world, we know persecution's right around the corner. We don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I meant things have happened in the last eight years that have taken us all through. None of us would have said we would be right here eight, ten years ago. We would have said maybe that would happen in 50 years, 25 years, eight years, less. The things have happened that have been crazy and nonsense. We know that persecution is right around the corner as long if things continue as they are. It is amazing. In Canada, they still are not allowing churches to open. You can't go to church in Canada. Canada. Now, we're not, not talking about a foreign country. We're talking about something that is just a couple hundred miles away from us. They still can't meet. I checked yesterday. They still can't meet. We know that they've passed laws in both Canada and America that have made it so there are certain things in the Bible I can't preach. They've actually made a law in Canada where the Bible is considered hate speech. It's Canada, right next to us. It's coming. Now's the time to develop the habit to live as a Christian. What do we mean by living by a Christian? Well, as we went through 1 Peter, we put some beats. We put some things that were highlighted here. What are the things that we need to develop the habit of working on now? Because we know that the things of the Christian come. It is going to be very hard to live these things if you've never done it when the persecution comes. When they outlaw going to church, the people who are not coming to church are not going to start coming to church. Does that make sense? It's going to be the people that say, I'm going to church whether we not go to or not. Good example. I miss Brother Orlin. I love him so much. He's in heaven now. He's happier than he's ever been. He doesn't want to come back. He's playing tag with the angels. He's kicking up gold dust on the streets. But you know, when we had church closed down, he said, preacher, pick me up. I'm still going. I don't care if there's nobody else in the church and we're recording and talking. He says, I'm going. 
And so we're preaching the empty thing. And you guys saw that I put like faces up on the thing. So that way he was there. He came faithfully Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, even if nobody else did. He said, I don't care what they said. I'm showing up. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. He had made a decision beforehand. I'm going to show up no matter what. I'm going to be faithful. That comes because you've made a decision and you develop the habit of it. When they outlaw going to church, that's going to be rare. When they outlaw the Bible, well, if you haven't read your Bible yet, what's the big deal about this law? Can you survive without it? Do you have enough Bible inside of you? Now's the time to start developing it. When the persecution comes, guess what? There's going to be a lot of complaining Christians. How many hopeful Christians will we have? Right? I mean, it doesn't take much to make Christians complain now. Where's the hope? Now's the time to start developing the habit of obedience to Christ. Notice again in 1 Peter chapter 4. In verse number 17, for the time is come, present tense, that judgment must begin at the house of God. We're not talking about what the lost people do or the Christians not in church. We're talking about us. Now's the time for us who are here in God's house to make decisions to start living right. That we have to evaluate ourselves, judge ourselves now. Because if we don't, God will. To start living as we should now. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.